0: Good morning, Sailorville. as what's already been mentioned this morning, we're continuing in Philippians. I would invite you, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be starting in verse 20, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. If you're new with us and you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you one today, and during this time right now, it's going to be on the screen behind me anytime we're reading the Word, and we're going to be reading it a lot this morning. So Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. This past week, we were meeting for prayers. We always do on Thursdays. We pray and fast as a staff for the lost and for the things that are coming up in uh, the next couple of weeks. And Chuck DeClean was praying for me, and he said, Lord, I pray for Brad as he preaches this morning. He is such a needy person. And that's one of those moments where you're praying, but you kind of open your eyes a little bit, and you're like, say what? What, what, do, you, what do you think about me? And so I said, I want to hear this a little bit more. And he went on to pray and he said, he's such a needy person, preaching to needy people. I'm like, okay, good, Chuck, you included yourself in that. (laughs) But isn't that so true? A needy guy up here, preaching to needy people out there. Whether we realize it or not, it is true, and we need the grace of God. Whether we know God, whether through Jesus Christ, or we don't know him, we need to be nourished and fed by the truth of God's word because we are so needy. So with that approach and with that posture this morning, let's read Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Paul in prison says, "It is my eager expectation that is a literal straining of the neck as I wait here in prison. It's my eager expectation and hope, a confident assurance of my future that I will not be put to shame. None of the work that i've done is going to be I'm not going to be ashamed by God because my faith is in him, and everything that I've done is worth it, but that with full. COURAGE, NOW AS ALWAYS, CHRIST WILL BE HONORED IN MY BODY WHETHER BY LIFE OR BY DEATH. I remember being in seventh grade, it was the first time in science class that we used uh, the, the microscopes, and I remember walking over and we were to dip uh, this, this uh, eyedropper into some liquid. To this day, I'm not really sure what it was, to me it looked like water, and we would take it, put it on the little slide, just a little drop, and I remember looking at it with my naked eye and thinking, what are we looking at? There is nothing in this thing. And then I stuck that slide underneath the microscope, closed the left eye, put the right eye in it, and I said, oh, my! There's stuff inside this thing, and it's moving! And I bring my lab partner over, and it's like, yeah, it's a microscope. It's science class. That's what happens. And I was like, I was not expecting that. I couldn't see it. But the microscope showed it to me, what was there all along. Paul says, whatever happens, I want to honor... Christ in my body that honor means exalt him it's the word in the greek megaluno you hear the mega in there that's what it means right it's not that you know, mega is not our president's acronym it's actually talking about mega big huge so paul is saying with my body i want to make christ large I want to make him huge to the world around me. This is my ultimate desire and my ultimate aim, to magnify Christ. Now, can Paul make Christ bigger than he already is? No. He's already vast, huge, bigger than we could ever imagine, but not everyone sees him that way. And Paul says, by the life that I live and the gospel that I preach, as people look into the microscope of my life, I want them to see Jesus as big, huge, that he's going to be exalted in me. That's what the word means, to make large. And for us as Christians, we are called to this very same aim, this very same order, Goal to make Christ large in our lives in every circumstance and everything that we do. So, I want to submit to us this morning through the life of Paul how we make Christ large in our lives. First, we make Christ large by living with Him at the center. We make Christ large by living with Him at the center of our lives. Look at verse 21 For me to live. Is Christ. Now let that sink in. So many of you, that's a very familiar verse. You've heard it even quoted this morning, and you say, Oh, yeah, I know that verse. But let that just wash over you this morning and think about all the implications of that verse. For me to live is Christ. If you've been to a bookstore, a record store, or a clothing store, you see all the neat sections of the store with signs pointing you to each place within that store of where you need to go. I want us to imagine just our lives like a bookstore or our hearts like a bookstore. With neat places of that heart, with signage telling us every location of our heart and how to find it. When we go to the store of your heart, if we were to open the doors this morning, is there a Christ section? How big is it? And is it at the center? Would we be able to find it quickly? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. How would you fill in that blank this morning? For me to live is... It's evident by the life of Paul that he could honestly say this answer. For me to live is Christ. But what if you're honest this morning? What if you were truthful and you answered that question? You need to think about it for perhaps a little while. Really, what is the reason for my living? For me to live is hunting. For me to live is shopping, decorating, my career, my kids, sports, coffee, comfort, a relationship, What is at the center of your life, and how would you fill in that blank? I just finished a class this last weekend, and part of any class that you're taking is included in that academic writing, which is the worst if you've ever done that before, right? I mean, anybody who actually enjoys academic writing is so strange, but when you come in, if you do, all right, don't take offense to that, or maybe do and think about why you enjoy it. I don't know. (laughs) But in academic writing, every paper has a thesis. You say this is what this paper is all about, and all the points of this paper are going to point to and support this thesis. So what is the thesis statement of your life? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. That was his thesis, and everything that I do supports that in my life. Well, just like you, I was evaluating this this week. And I'm thinking, man, what do I fill in that blank with? I'd love to say it's Christ, right? Just as you would if you know Christ, you'd love to say, yeah, that's what it is. But I think when I was really getting down to the core of my heart and what I'm living for, I think it's my life goals, where I should be right now, what I should be doing, what kind of person I wanted to become in the next five years. Now, all of those things, right, I think that they relate to Christ and my growth in him, but I would say really it's more about my personal development, who Brad is becoming, more than saying I fill in that blank with Christ. So everything that I do, Christ supports my thesis of who I want to be, who is magnified in that process. Me. It's so subtle, isn't it? That we can change and put actually me there, thinking that it's Christ. And so Paul is saying it's actually Christ, and I'm magnifying him. And here's what I mean. Paul is in prison. Now, he could have thought, man, this prison thing is really messing up my jive. I had some big plans. I was going to go out and reach all these people, and I was going to plant all kinds of churches. But here I am, strapped to a guard. God, how am I ever gonna magnify you with my life if I can't accomplish my goals? You see what I mean? But Paul is saying here, if my goal starts with magnifying Christ, it doesn't matter if I'm strapped to a guard because I can always accomplish that goal. So no matter what circumstance or what comes into your life, if your goal is to make Christ large, no matter what is happening, good, bad, or ugly, or somewhere in between, you can always reach that goal. So what is the goal for your life? How do you fill in that blank? And Paul says, because of this, I rejoice. People are looking in on my life and they're saying, wow! This guy's rejoicing no matter what is happening. How do you fill in that blank? For me to live is Christ. We have a life that's centered upon him. Secondly, making Christ large, we die with anticipation. We die with anticipation. Look at verse 21. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain? If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I can't tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. Be with Christ, for that is far better. For me to live is Christ, and Paul says, to die is gain. He says, I'm not sure which one I would rather do. He's saying, I'm living in this tension. Do I die, or do I stay here? Now, I don't think that we live in this tension every day, do we? And we don't wake up in the morning and say, well, should I die today or should I go on living? Unless we're in some extreme physical pain or we have the flu or something along those lines, we're not thinking along the lines of should, would I die today? Would that be better than my current situation that I'm in? Speaking of physical pain, I do a lot of things halfway, but roller skating is not one of them. My daughters got invited to a roller skating party yesterday, and I said, you bet we're going. We are all in on this thing. And I went all out, and I was feeling it last night, popping the ibuprofens in. Then I started to think about, maybe this would be better to depart from this with this old body, right? And some of you say, dude, you are not old, all right? You don't even have gray hair, you're not bald. I attribute that to being a late bloomer, Okay. I didn't have armpit hair until I was 17 years old. You're like, I, I didn't even know that. Well, here's the story, all right? I got made, made fun of that like crazy in high school, and now guys my age who are balding and is like, hey, joke's on you, pal, right? I'm still catching up to everyone else, but I know, I know that day's coming. I know that day's coming when I have to decide, do I embrace it? Do I see this as a good thing as I age? that it's getting me closer to Christ, to the great gain. Do you see age that way? I mean, we so often want to prolong the appearance of age. And I'm not saying that we don't take care of ourselves. We want to say, man, do do I Botox, do I not? Or do I embrace this thing? And do I really just say, this is good for me because I'm getting closer to the gain, my ultimate reward of Christ. You see, what most people see as the worst thing in life, death, Paul sees as the best thing. Now, that's only someone whose goal is to magnify and make Christ large in their life. You can't do that unless you're doing that. He doesn't say, Man, if I die, think about all the kinds of stuff I'm gonna miss out on. I never got married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have the career that I wanted. I didn't get to climb that mountain. I didn't get to go on vacation. I didn't get to go to college. I didn't get to do so many good things, see my sports team win the national championship. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, listen, my goal was to magnify Christ, and I've accomplished it. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything if he takes me away. Now, the act of death, I don't think he's looking forward to. Paul's not looking forward to being beheaded. Death is not good. It is the last enemy. And it's not one of those things that you can ask someone about their experience, right? I mean, nobody ever experienced it. You only do it once. He's saying the act of death is not what I look forward to. He's certainly not talking about suicide and saying that's far better than anything I experience here, okay? Life is a very precious gift from God, and he determines when it's done. What he's talking about here is the result of my death is I get to depart and be with Christ. That's why I'm so excited to leave here. To be with Christ is the culmination of a life making him large. I get to be the one that I've strived to magnify my whole life, except I get to do it perfectly without a sin nature. says, so I'm looking forward to that. That is going to be awesome. We get the opportunity to, to do a Good News Club here in the Seidel School District. Good News Club stands for, well, we call it GNC, and it stands for Good News Club. Uh, this, is what, this is one of our times here. You can pray for us. We lost the opportunity in the Ankeny Schools. Many people were part of that because of some scheduling things. But I was sitting in the back as Lacey was teaching the gospel to these some 30 kids that came to the library at the public school, and I was sitting next to a kid named Owen, and he turns to me and taps me on the shoulder, and he says, Hey, I have a question. Usually I'm thinking, okay, he's got to go to the bathroom, so I have it ready to say, hey, can you wait? She's almost done. And he turns to me and he says, hey, God knows the future, right? I said, yeah, you bet he does. He goes, then why did he create Satan? It's like, why don't you just listen to the lesson, okay, Owen? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Save that one for later, right? <laughs> and then she's talking about heaven. He turns and taps me on the shoulder again, and he says, hey, Brad, heaven is when I get to talk to God for real. And I said, you're exactly right. That's what heaven is. It's all about Jesus. Listen, if you're not crazy about Jesus, if you're not having great, if you don't love Jesus right now, you would hate heaven. You'd hate it. Because heaven is all about Jesus. It's the reward of someone living in fellowship with him right now that doesn't start over again when you die but continues. The relationship with God keeps on going and Paul says, oh man, that is great gain. That's what I'm looking forward to. So how would you finish the sentence? For me to live is and to die is. How do you answer that? Disappointing? Fine, once I finish my bucket list. Maybe others, for me to die, is the most terrifying things that I think about. Paul says, both are a joy. If I live, I get to do what I want. And if I die, I get to be with who I want. That's why he says in Acts, my life is of no value. I count it of no value only that I can fulfill the ministry and the course that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the grace of God. He says, if I'm dying, great, I'm with God. If I'm not, I'm testifying to the grace of God. And they look at somebody like this in prison and says, what do we do with this guy? I mean, he, he keeps living on, he's happy. He dies, he's happy. He's, he's saying that's, that's better than, than keeping me alive. What are we to do with this guy? Everything's gain, and many of them, they said, we join him. Because that's what I'm looking for. I got my Roman life here and everything's going really well. Everything's nice. I got everything that I need. But yet, I'm missing out on what this guy who's chained up has. I want to have that kind of life. And so many of the palace guard place their faith in Christ. And do you know that that could be true of your life when others are looking in? Well, first of all, You personally. Whatever your circumstance is, you say, this is good for me, and my goal is to honor Christ, and when I die, even better. People looking in on that through the microscope of your life, that's crazy. What do you have? I don't have it. You're unstoppable. If we as needy people remember that, right? That's why we're so needy. We're constantly putting ourselves under the truth of God's word. Moody said, we're all leaky vessels. How does a leaky vessel stay full? By remaining under the faucet. We need to be constantly be poured in by God and being remembering that every single day. And when we do, we get to live a life for the benefit of others. We live our lives for the benefit of others. It's the second way of how we make Christ large in our lives. Look at verse 24. Says, But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. For that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So Paul says, listen, it is a joy to live for your benefit. There's going to be fruitful labor if I stay with you. And then he says, you know what? I'm so convinced of this in my heart that I'm not done with you yet. He says, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna see you guys again. God is not done with me yet, although I'd like it if he was, but yet he's not, which is good because that means I get to reap more of a harvest with you and encourage you. Let me say this to you this morning. If you're not dead, that's a sign that God's not done with you yet. If you're not dead That's a sign that God is not done with you yet. So how are you progressing in him if you're still alive? Paul says, I'm not going anywhere. I am going to live it up. And as you say, living it up for your progress, for your joy in the faith. To me, living for the benefit of others, which can be tiring, can be stressful and hard at times. You said, that's what I'm here for. And that's how I live it up, not checking off things that I still have to do in my life because I had a near-death experience, but giving myself fully to Christ. That's why MacArthur says this, part of spiritual greatness is to know Christ intimately and to long to be with him. But spiritual greatness also includes being totally committed to serving Christ on earth. So this says, yes, have a heavenly perspective But one has said, don't be so heavenly occupied that you have no earthly good. You're always thinking about the future and you're missing out on opportunities to serve other people. Pastor Pat and I, before he left for Europe, were chatting about this text as we do every week when he's preaching and when I am. And he had probably the best quote of the text. Imagine that, this is what he said. How is your physical absence from heaven benefiting others here on earth? If heaven doesn't have you, how is is your life benefiting those that you are still with? And if you're sitting here this morning, God's not done with you. Are you being used to make Christ large in the lives of others? When they look at your life, do they see a vast Jesus Christ? As you strive to make Christ large in your life, you live with confidence in the present and in the future. You live with confidence in the present and in the future. Go back up to verse 19 at the start of this passage. Paul says, For I know that through your prayers, they're praying for him, that he would be delivered, and the help of the Holy Spirit, God is strengthening me in my inner man, given to me when I, when I came to know Christ. This will turn out for my." deliverance. Deliverance there is the word soteria. It means salvation. So he's saying, listen, I've got total confidence, guys. No matter how this thing shakes out, I have confidence that either I stay or I leave. That's the kind of confidence that I'm living in. Do you have that confidence? That's why Paul writes in the the book of Romans, he says, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to God. And if we die, we die to God. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. That's where the confidence comes from. He's not saying, because I've done all this great stuff for God, because I've lived a life worthy of Him. No, he says, because I haven't lived a life worthy. I haven't, even Paul missed his standard. He says, the reason I'm so confident is because He is mine and I am His. I belong to Him. And that's the kind of confidence. If you belong to Christ, you have present confidence now and also confidence in the future. He had no fear of anything. See, every one of us will encounter a holy God in the future. We all will. Every single one of us will encounter a holy God. And will you be able to stand with this kind of confidence before him? If you make anything else large in your life, anything else superior, your ultimate thesis or your ultimate goal you'll never be ready to die. Because you're gonna feel like I'm, I'm not satisfied. Everything that I've been striving to do, accomplishing this goal, has left me empty. But if making Christ large is your goal, you'll be ready to die at any time. Because you've fulfilled your goal with the life that God has given to you, whether it be long or short. Yes, death is horrible. Your family will miss you, there'll be a a hole, but you'll have that great joy of knowing that I will gain Christ. When I was in that science class, I couldn't see what was on that slide until I looked inside that microscope. Because the Bible, in the same way that it lit up what was ever on that slide, The Bible magnifies Jesus in the word of God. It says, Jesus is huge, and it puts us in our rightful place. It says, and you're not. Jesus big, you small. But the beauty of the whole thing, the whole reason the scriptures were written, says the scriptures were written so that you might be wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Big, awesome, huge, holy God made himself small by becoming a man. Lived the life that we could never live, a perfect life. And then substitutes himself for all humanity, all who rejected him, who didn't believe, and he says, I'm going to lay my life down in your place i'm gonna die for you and then i'm gonna rise again defeating death forever so that when you die if you believe in me you will have the greatest gain of your life are you pointing people in that direction are you doing the same thing that the scriptures do magnify jesus with your life that people look in and go oh yeah he's got something different that i don't have she's got something different that i don't have when the people encounter you, do they walk away like Paul, saying, man, I feel like I progressed in my faith. I feel like I, I grew closer to Christ and I have greater joy. Have you ever been around someone like that? You, you know what that's like, right? You walk away from that conversation, you're like, oh, man, I would to love Jesus more. Did you know you can be that person too? Did you know that's, that's capable for you, is it? Or do people walk away and go, man, I sure got filled in on a lot of gossip. Man, I feel like I I feel a lot more down after engaging with that person. That's the way it will be if your life isn't centered upon making Christ large. But God will give you his grace and not perfectly every time. That's why you need Jesus. You're still needy to be that type of person like Paul that magnifies Christ. See, Paul wasn't a super Christian, he was a Christian. He did the same thing that God is calling every single one of us to in the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting in his grace. So do you see yourself as needy? That's how we started off this, right? I acknowledge to you that I'm needy. And through this message, you can confirm that you're like, dude, this guy's really needy, all right? It's true, and so are you. And if you're ever going to come into a place where you can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, it starts with acknowledging your neediness that you can't do anything to make yourself right with the holy God. But submitting yourself to him and saying, God, I am in desperate need of you. My sins keep me from you. And I fill in that blank and I say, for me to live is Christ and to die is terrifying. And it should be. Those who die in their sins, die apart from Christ, is the most terrifying thing you could ever experience life separated from Christ and hell, but yet God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Believe that today. Put away all your good doing, everything you thought would make you right with God, and believe in the substitution of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I want my desire to be for me to live as Christ. Not where should I be right now or what should I be doing, but for me to live as Christ, and that determines my attitude, my responses, and everything that I'm doing, wherever you have me. God, I pray for those in this room, that their desire is to build their life, to have you as the center, that they would take steps today, talk with a friend, talk to you. What's that look like to, make, to fill that blank in with Christ. And trust the hope that is gained. God, I pray today for those that don't know you, that fill in that blank and fill in death is terrifying. Would they trust in that confident assurance that Paul had of a future hope and present hope? No fear in life, no guilt, no guilt in life, no fear in death because I belong to Christ. That's where our confidence comes from, not our good works, but by the substitution of Jesus Christ. Would you trust him today if that's you? We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.